0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99% where the real gains are made. I am here with the original crew. We've got Elliot. That's me. And Marilyn. Hey, gang. And to start this podcast off, I'm going to start out with one of my all-time favorite triathlon sayings.
1: What is it? I I don't (laughs)
0: You don't know. You ready for it? It's no very idea. simple. It's very simple. And it's, you're going to see how it fits it in just a second here. Okay. My, my favorite one is my go-to in basically every training session. More is more. And, yeah. uh, and that's a
1: really good one for this podcast. Cause that's like sums up the downfall of many of Jesse's rough times in life. <laughs>
0: It's, it's it's very easy to just think that you know more is always going to be more right it's uh it's
1: about the swimming pool that extra long term on the bike ride or the extra shot at the bar
0: you know <laughs> you can all roll into it. all facets of life more, uh, is more
1: until it's too much
0: yeah that well that's the part of the saying that everyone leaves off right that more is more until it's not and usually that ends up with you breaking yourself in, in triathloning um but since this was kind of, um, Elliot's topic, I'm going to let you do the rest of the intro, but that was, that was my, uh, my rollout for you for the The more is more. So yeah. Talk to us about that. The group of people that, which we work with and they might be, you know, like myself, like many of our athletes, a little bit over ambitious at times.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess the, I think the, the baseline was this, this sport triathlon, all versions of it is really cool. Uh, and I think that one of the reasons that so many people like, like triathlons is you end up with like-minded people and the sport itself just like demands a lot of ambition. And you can like, if you just go to an age group race and you, you meet a mid packer, you realize your average mid pack triathlete is like way more ambitious, maybe in generally in sport, but also in life than your average person. And that's kind of cool. Like you're just like in this community where what people expect of themselves, not of other people, but what people expect of themselves is pretty high. And it's, I I don't generally mean that in a negative way. I mean that in like a, people are striving for things and that's their general personality trait. Um, people often say like type a, but not every triathlete's type a, but almost every triathlete is ambitious. Right. Would you guys kind of agree?
0: I think uh, like a large amount of my athletes go to bed at 8 p.m. and wake up at 4 a.m. every day, right? That's just like very standard. And if you look at the general population, that's probably not the flow that most people like jive with. And
1: Is there I don't like know an, an,
2: one of those old YouTube like to make <laughs> fun of. Hi, I am a triathlete. Yes. I have not. <laughs> oh,
1: yes, the early days of the internet when you like automated voices. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, that's triathlon. Right. And, and I I mean, like, I I guess not everybody I coach goes to sleep at eight and wakes up at four. I would say most of them don't. Um, but I don't know, maybe my athletes are slightly less, uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but Jesse's giving me You get looks. the idea though. You get, right? yes, you get the idea, but what they do is they get the work done, right? Every triathlete at some point in time is getting the work done. Um, whether it's on a crazy early wake up or just an, another way about it. And, and they're usually trying to get better. Right. And I was talking about basketball players before we got on. And like, if you're a seven footer, well, one, how many people have ever met a seven footer? Most people haven't the average height of a basketball player in the NBA is six, eight. I've met like two people in my life, four, six, eight. Right. And they both play basketball in the NBA. Um, it's just how it goes. And so then you, you meet some professional athletes in other sports who have these like physical gifts or talents that they didn't really need to be ambitious to get there. They just need to be born big. And yes, I'm basically making fun of all seven footers in the NBA is like the athletic skill you need is pretty low. But, um, that said, they still have to do the work or they're not going to be there for very long. So, triathlon's different and that's super cool. However, and I think a lot of this podcast is the, however, right. Uh, too much ambition can really shoot you in the foot. And sometimes you come home from a race, uh, in Europe and Erica's is not going to listen to this. So this is fine. So my girlfriend just got t- uh 10th, um, in a WTS WTCS race. So for those of you not familiar, that's the highest level of non-draft racing. And so her first top 10 in a race like that, and she's ecstatic and very, very temporarily (laughs) she's ranked 10th in the world for next year. Um, it's cool on paper. That's not actually where she's really ranked, but you get the idea. So she, she flies home and she'd done three races in eight days. And then she travels back across the world and she's exhausted. Um, or so you'd think she's actually super hyped because she just did really well. And she's like, I'm going to crush and I'm going to get even better. And she did do low intensity training, but in her head, she was just all of a sudden going to go back to normal. And then guess what life happened? And she got real tired, as you might imagine. Um, and that's just really hard to handle. Right. And then, so she's sitting there, she's trying to be ambitious, but really she just needs to take a deep breath and be tired for a few days and let that be okay. Um, so Marilyn, I know so you like, have some what, thoughts, but what oh, you're trying Jessie. to say is
0: her, her ambition was like kind of telling her to keep working hard. Cause she was super excited and wanted to keep rolling with that. But really that wasn't like the best thing for her to do in that moment.
1: And what and she, it's not like she was doing hard training. She was doing low intensity training, but her ambition was telling her that she was not going to get tired from this. Cause now she's this new level. She's going to be you know, like invincible, not invincible, but like, she's going to go right back in, in not very much time. And then she got this huge hit of fatigue and she was like, what the heck? I thought I was awesome. Why am I tired? And and I'm looking at it like, well, of course you're tired. You just did three crazy hard races and a bunch of really hard travel. Any normal human being is going to get tired. Um, and you have to absorb that, but like the ambition part is just like pushing, pushing, pushing. Right. Um, so anyways, and, and this happens with, uh, you know, like basically every athlete I've ever worked with is, has got a lot of ambition, um, and, and it often can get you in trouble yourself included, Jesse.
2: Yeah. I think it's like, you know, for in in on one of the things about our sport or in a lot of dur- endurance sports is to start out with the, you're, you're saying is actually true, right? Jesse, like more is more. It's like at some, when we first start out and really in our developmental years, the more you can do, you, you get faster and faster. You're absorbing a lot of miles and a lot of volume and a lot of reps, and you keep getting better. and And you can do that for quite a long time in our sport, like and years, years, really, really long time, right? And so there's a reward to that. and And you also, you know, we're we are, you know, people who track what we do and we keep these training logs and diaries and all of this stuff, which is great. That's what we're supposed to do, and we can see like. Well, I, I progressed where I did, you know, this this much training, this much volume, and and this much intensity, and then I increased it, and I got better, and I got better, and this is a you know something that happens for a long period of time. And where is the point that it gets people in trouble? Where all of a sudden there is going to be a development point because training is about like stress and adaptation and stress and adaptation, right? And so, is every athlete hits that point where? That note, that recipe of more is more no longer works, right? And it's figuring out for every athlete when that point happens. and then being able to as coaches or athletes pivot their their training and their stimuli to a point where they keep progressing and that they don't and where the conversation becomes important either between coaches and athletes or for an athlete to recognize is that, Where they trip up is they get stuck on, and we've all seen this as athletes who look back on those training logs and go, well, this is what I did last time to win this race. And they say like on April 14th to April 19th, I did this many runs and this many long rides and this much you know, intensity in these intervals. And if I don't do this exactly again, I mean, it made me better last time it made me win this race. And if I don't do this, I'm not going to win again. And then the fear cycle comes in. And this is where we start to see here. Then we've got these things like, oh, they're getting in their own way, or they can't see that actually this training stimuli needs to change or, and in their mind, they're like, well, I've always just been doing more and more and more, and I keep getting better and better and better. And then I had my best result. So that must've been what created the success. And so, you know, having the ability to then really, really fully understand and assess that what's the point, I guess it's a conversation between athletes and coaches of really changing that mindset that it isn't always exactly what you did is going to get to where you're going, right? Like what you did got you to where you are. And now what do we need to do to continue to go forward? And, and we trip up with getting stuck in, well, this is how I got here. So this must be the only way. Um, so and I don't know that you want to
0: see like that, that linear progression, right? We're like, okay, well, if I did 22 hours on average last year, I can do 23 hours this year. And then, but at some point you run out of hours, right? Yeah. Like there's only so many hours in a week. And and if you, you just can't keep pushing and still recover, I guess you, if you had, if you could add on hours for sleep or something, but like, you can't do that. Right. So it's well, steroids. Not-
2: <laughs> and there is so, also yeah. there is also like the, the 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 tricky part really is with it and the, the fun part for us coaches as well is that the fitter a person gets and the longer they've done it they actually do need quite a lot of work to continue to meet that same fitness level right you can't take someone get them to a certain amount of work and then do a lot less and think that they're going to be just as fit as they were there is a balance of and that's why i talk very specifically about training stimuli because you know if you've got someone who's always trained x number of training stress for a very long time you can't do 80% less and they're going to go better they're not you've got to you've got to figure out how to keep them going faster so they are stuck on that like well if i don't do this much work and we see it a lot even with a lot of you know our peers and and especially professionals that are trying to win races they're like man i know i did this much work to win hawaii or be top 3 in hawaii or win this race or get to this speed and if i don't keep doing that then there's no way i'm going to win this race and And then they're, you know, they realize how much energy that takes and they're looking at, you know, holy man, this is how much work am I going to have to do to get that much better? You know, all these guys went 750 on a course and like how, you know, how much more work is that going to take? And where is that, you know, where does that, where is that tipping point basically? Um, And I
1: jump in. So you, and you said energy, and I just want to clarify for the listener, I'm almost certain you can tell me if I'm wrong. You mean literally physical energy and the weight of that emotional energy of like, I did X and now I have to do X plus one or it's bad. And X alone was really hard. Um, is that where, would you agree?
2: Yeah, I like guess we're like that. The- like
1: it's the combo of the physical stress and you only mm-hmm. have so much you can absorb, but it's also the combo of like that mental weight of thinking. Right. I always go better, I always go better, which means you can never go back. And, and a lot of times what we need is, even if for a little while, it's, is to go back because that's how you absorb the stress. And so right. like, sure, we're gonna go up higher again or we're gonna go the same level again, but if you don't have that rest period, it just doesn't work. Um,
2: yeah, so I, I think it's like, if we're talking about in particular, where does people's like ambitions start to get in their way? And I think that the very start of the conversation is, you know are you hitting that point where well one rec- is it is it being driven from performance or is it being driven from just pure um you know we can have a whole nother conversation about like exercise addic- addiction you know yeah. is it mm-hmm. is it performance based and is it this is what i need to keep doing to keep getting better and they're looking back on their logs with an obsession of like i don't they're not fully understanding that things need to change to keep getting better, not necessarily just repeating the same stuff or just adding one more layer to the, to the cake kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next thing is, is the obsession or the over ambitious? Like I just, I can't have a rest day. I must do this many hours on my bike. I have to add in this extra jog. I, if I don't swim today, I'll everything I've done for the last 10 years will be gone. It's like, if that over, is that an, is that, And if we phrase it as ambition, or is this like, is there a a deeper underlying problem there that needs to be recognized? And it's like, actually, this is no longer ambition. This is actually getting in your way. And, and you're, you're going on lines of, you know, maybe there's some other issues there going on. So yeah, I
0: I think you, you put it really well there. Whereas like, is this workout, like have a purpose that is getting you towards your goal? Or is this workout just to tick some other box in your brain, like whether it's exercise addiction, whether it's miles you want to see, whether it's like some thought process, any, any other thing that you have that's like driving you towards, um, doing a workout is is not the right reason, right? You're, you're, you're doing a workout for like a performance goal and it has a purpose. And, and I think that's, that was kind of like, I don't know, one of the key takeaways I pulled out of what you said, would you, would you agree with that?
2: Okay. Totally. Yeah, because, you know, there's nothing wrong if, you, if you're if you just someone who if it's no longer about performance and you recognize like, hey, I've got to ride 300 miles this week and that's just what I do. And you're like, well, you're not getting any faster from that anymore. And they're like, I don't care. I just need to ride 300 miles this week. And they have like the motivation and, and they're excited to do that. And it's like, they're not actually interested in getting any faster or better from that. Well, then, okay. You've already had that conversation. It's upfront and and you both realize that, but if someone's coming to you and saying, Hey, I want to get faster. I want to place better in my races and, and they're plateauing from what they've done in the past or what they're currently doing, then you have to say, okay, well, this is the training stimuli that needs to change for this next improvement. And then if there is, is it, I guess the simplest way to say is, is it now ambition or obsession? And which, it, which direction is like, what are we doing here? Are we getting better? Or are we just obsessed with this exact number? Um, and I'm sure you've both experienced that. I mean, the, um, you know, I mean, for- I
1: definitely was in the early days, like literally 20 years ago you know, was like, oh, I need, I'm need. i running 100 miles a week and I'd go to bed every night and I'd wake up every morning and be like, how does this day shake out so that I can run 100 miles at the end of the week? Not a, not a great idea, <laughs> you know? But what, so what you're saying is, and, and so like, obviously I've done that personally and I've also like in the early days of power meters, you know, like 14, and the reason I don't personally ride with a power meter is they drive me crazy because I like want the number to be higher. And it's just, that's not how it works. You just push harder on the pedal. It's, it's easy. Well, I know you've dropped, I've dropped you more than a couple of times. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I didn't have a number. I didn't have a bot to tell me, but the point is like that for, for certain people, myself included, like that can drive you crazy. And you don't, if you just take away the stimulus, you can, or you, you take away that, like that stimulus to see the numbers or, or to count it if you just take it away, then you can like take a deep breath and focus on what you're actually there for, which is the the certain stress of the workout. And that's, I think what you were getting at Marilyn, is like people get focused on riding 300 miles in a week, but really what they needed was a certain amount of aerobic work. And then maybe they needed more threshold than usual or more sprinting than usual or more VO2 work than usual, whatever, or maybe they need less of that stuff at this time being. And we're really trying to solve for what is the appropriate intensity. And, and people say more is more and more and more, more is more is often the right answer, but we're just kind of like this whole podcast is like more is more is, is great. And we're there for it nine out of 10 times. But once you've done it enough times, you need to step back and be like, actually, once you get to a certain point, more and more, more is more is not the answer. And you have to like solve that puzzle in a different way. What does more even mean?
2: Yeah. Jesse, I'd really like to ask you about um, I've watched you go through a pretty, pretty impressive process since like the, the last two years, to be honest with you, from an outside perspective, you were kind of at a point. And I, I didn't prep Jesse that I was going to ask him this, so he's go—he's like getting nervous he's here. While talking he's I, I, He's I slightly panicking, <laughs> right? He just unplugged so his mic. Bear with me for a second here. So you were at a point like a couple of years ago where you were kind of questioning, like, okay, do I push on a couple more years, or do I like look at retiring? You just, you know, you're starting a family, all of these things, and you consciously made the decision, note, like, I've got more fire in the belly. I definitely want to keep pressing on for some good results, and you train with you've got really high level training partners you've been doing a long time um and you you've done a lot of miles for a long time right and and you've put in a lot of hard work for a long time not even just miles we're talking like really really hard work too and in the last probably year you've you've ticked off some pretty impressive performances like PRs on runs that have shown up Um, You were just seventh at Ironman Chattanooga in a very competitive field. Um, So so you're doing
1: a guy who was fifth.
2: Yeah. And so in other words, you're doing a really good job and you just turned 40. So, you know, you have a full-time job. You also have a kid at home. So a lot of
1: very well-behaved.
2: Yeah. A lot of moving parts. So, (laughs) so it's like a nice girl. You had to have these conversations of at some point through all that more wasn't more and you had to really evaluate, like, how am I going to continue to get the best out of myself to keep performing at a really, really high level. That's just getting faster and faster. I mean, it's, you know, it's just getting harder and harder. So where a lot of people, you know, might be like, this is just getting, you know, this is just too hard or too much or too fast or I'm too old to have a million twos, but you're like, instead you go nose to the grindstone, pen and paper, like, how am I going to beat these guys? And where am I going to get the most out of myself? So You went along the lines of, to go back to original topic, you weren't just obsessed with, you know, there wasn't like, you had the ability to say, I have a lot of ambition to get after this and this passion that I still have. And you recognize that there wasn't just an obsession with, I got to just train more and more and more, because I've even seen you push back against training partners that were even giving you a hard time about that, but you had enough confidence in yourself to make the right decision for yourself. So I want to like, I really want to hear what you have to say about all that. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't give him any notice (laughs) on this whatsoever. (laughs) No,
0: I think, um, I guess to kind of speak more generally, I think that when you get to like a certain point in your career, like, like you kind of said, more, isn't more anymore. Like you've done a ton of miles, like, you know, you've ridden a ton, run a ton and you just can't, you can't keep pushing that, that needle any further. Like you just can't ride any more miles in a week and you're not going to see any benefit if you do squeak in a few more miles, like, because you've kind of hit that peak where like, yeah, just more miles isn't going to make you get any faster. Um, and so like, what do you do in order to get faster if more isn't more anymore? And like, I had to make that decision by force because I, the amount of responsibility I had was going up and the amount of free time was going down. So I didn't have the time to ride as many miles as I was doing. And so, yeah, I had to kind of, I was kind of forced to, to turn that dial. But once I was forced, I was like, well, actually this is probably the right decision anyways, because, you know, I just continuing to ride a ton of miles every week, wasn't probably going to make me any faster. So. It was, on one hand I was forced, but on the other hand, I kind of like then came around to the idea that this is probably the right thing. And it's kind of changed. I think that consistency is the most important thing, but once you have a decade or more of consistent training, then you have like a Liberty to play a little bit. Right. And it's like, well, maybe I don't need to have as much consistency as I had in the past, but maybe I can take some of those sessions and make them like bigger harder, faster, stronger workouts. And, and that's an approach I've also used like in, in my coaching. And I think that actually works is like, well, you, I think you can see this within a season and then also within years of training where yeah. in in the spring in the preseason consistency is super important. You make everybody have a lot of touches with every sport. But then once you get closer to a race, you can say, okay, now we're going to back that off a little bit. And we're going to have some really like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like race simulation workouts or really big workouts. And you can kind of back off the frequency and back off that consistency. And you can just have these kind of like bigger sessions. And, and like I said, I don't like that for most of the year, but there are some times where you can kind of do that and have it work. And I feel like also in like life, like now that I've been consistently training for a really long time, I can, I can kind of do that where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to do as many like four or five hour rides as I used to, but to get ready for my Man, I'm going to do like a couple of really big, hard rides and back off a little bit after, so I actually can recover from them and then hopefully be ready, um, to race faster than I did when I was training a ton all the time.
1: When um, you say like over the years, that's your the, the way you've grown the most as an athlete is your ability to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. No, no is a tough one for me. So I would agree, but, but I mean, even 10 years ago when you were for those listening, Jesse was racing as a professional and was a full-time school teacher, um, math, right? The maths. Yes. Yeah. He's super good at adding. Um, but the point is that you were, you were really busy and, and I, I, I was coaching you back then. And and I know one thing I would, you'd be like, well, they're doing X ride. And I was like, is there any way we can make that shorter? And you'd be like, no. And that was like, (laughs) that was like almost every week for like years. Right. And it's like, ah, and you'd be like, uh, well, how about instead of 160 miles, I do 145. And I'm like, like, You know, like you're asking someone to only ride 120 miles and they're like telling you like, no, what do you think I am a wimp? Um, and like, you're kind of the epitome of that in in like, you know, for the, for a long time, you know, like there weren't, there weren't many people in the world who had a full-time job who could go as fast as you. And, um, you're, you're out of the school teaching game, but you've still got plenty on your plate, but you've really advanced in your ability to like do what's best for you in the moment. Um, when you, would you say, I mean, I hope so. I'm, I oh, hope I'm well, so now. I, so one thing I was going to say is as you were talking, you were saying like, once you had a, a decade plus of this super consistent training for those listening, I don't even think you need the decade to start saying no. I think <laughs> you can start saying no, like probably after two years, I think, especially if you're a younger person listening to this two years of insane training, just to like get your volume up, you know, when you're going zero to a hundred real quick. Um, if you're young, you understand what that means. And if you're not sorry. Um, but anyways, that's where like, yeah, once you've done those couple of years, that's the, it's okay to say no. And it's okay to have like a more measured approach to your training and, and to take a step back on a somewhat frequent basis when you're, you're just kind of wearing yourself out instead of getting stronger.
2: Yeah, I think we even see it across the board with ambition, like as, as far as where, where does ambition start to become, um, like we said, most of the time, it's a really positive thing, right? Like we want to be, we want to keep striving to get better. We want to have, you know, people who are really eager and motivated to keep getting after their goals. And it's defining that line where it's a problem. You see it. So we're talking about, we see it in, in the training area of things when people just can't let go of now, what is better for me versus, you know. I'm just obsessed with getting this done right now for X, Y, Z reasons. Um, But we also see it even on on the end of, you know, equipment choices that just aren't right for them or nutritional choices that maybe they're they're tipping it over the edge too far because, you know, they're they're not looking at performance. They're just incredibly... um, infatuated with being like too lean or what are these, th- you know, these things. It's like, I'm not, I'm no longer talking about performance. I'm just, and, and there becomes this, um, and then that's when you start to see problems pop up like injuries and illnesses and, and chronic fatigue and, you know, stress fractures and performances start to decline and that kind of stuff. And that's, I think that's like where we start to see things like that, you know, over people talk about overtraining syndrome, syndrome, but it, maybe it roots Within that drive of a person of crossing the line from ambition to unhealthy obsession on things that that are no longer being performance driven. I think if we can choose our words really wisely on phrase how we phrase that stuff, people will see it a little bit better instead of just like, come on, keep going harder, harder, more, faster. You know, leaner, all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, let's let's make sure we have these important conversations with our athletes up front about these really specific things and and shape their minds in the right way of what they're trying to accomplish versus, you know, just feeding that, you know, if someone's like you said, Elliot, these athletes already come in pretty hungry and pretty ready to work hard. So it's an important development piece for us as coaches to say to people like, let's make sure we always stay f- focused on performance. Let's say we, we, we always focus on improvement. Are we getting better? These kinds of conversations versus are you leaner? Are you, you know, are you, you know, maxing out or are you, you know, what is, what do you need to do? I don't know. Like, I, I think you guys understand what it is. I'm trying to say, I'm kind of running out of ways to describe it here, but, um, well, like the, yeah.
1: the, I think the main thing is the best way to judge a racer is racing. Right. And a lot of people try to, you're, what you're saying is like all of the ways people say so-and-so looks lean, so they're going to win Hawaii. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like th- th- who, it doesn't matter what you look like. It matters how fast you go. And, yeah. you know, like, and, and that's the thing where people are like, oh, this is so arrow, but can you stand up after the end of the bike ride? You know? And, and I think that's where you're like talking about certain, you know, Oh, this is arrow or these wheels are the most arrow wheels wall, can you actually ride those for 180 K in a crosswind if the answer is no, then those wheels are not the fastest for you, you know, um, these are the fastest shoes except your Achilles is going to blow up okay those aren't the fastest shoes for you and, the, and those kind of decisions and so you know, um, and, and it's the same even with fueling, you know, the best person takes in 600 calories an hour and you're puking all over the place Well, you, you weren't ready for that. Um, judge your races by your racing, I guess, is a good way to go about it. And also give yourself some time between those races to kind of like develop, if you're getting better, that's kind of all you can ask for. And some people say like, I wanted to go 10 places better, but I only went one you know, or you even went backwards, but then you like, look where, who's in the field. And I was like, well, did you really go backwards or did you just do a different race with a different field? You know, and like, you really kind of have to take those hard looks because sometimes placement wise, you do worse, but you actually did better. And sometimes placement wise, you won and you actually sucked. Um, and I think like, that's where, when you really start to see the people who truly excel in these sports, they they're able to like analyze well, was this a good performance or was this a bad performance? You know, like, was it somewhere in the middle and and what can I actually improve on? And and then in that improvement is never, I need to be 1% body fat lower. It's like, oh, okay. I need to, you know, get in a little more calories on the bike. And then maybe that will then lead towards a faster run. I don't even need to get faster at swimming or biking. I just need to fuel more. And then all of a sudden I'll run faster, stuff like that. But anyways, I'll be quiet.
0: Yeah, I think one thing that's kind of contributes to this is is Strava, where you see people not only comparing their training log to their training log from previous years, but you see what everyone else is doing. You say, "Oh, well, if if this is what Joe is doing and he went seven forty six, then I should definitely probably try and do that too." And that's that's a hard thing when you know you're, you're looking at somebody like that who can who can do monster training and put down really big power. And it's like, well. Just because, just because Joe can do whatever, eight by three minutes at four hundred watts before the race and be fine, doesn't mean anyone else in the world should ever try and do that.
1: Um, that's a lot of power. Yeah, yeah. What Jesse's talking about, Joe Skipper, who just won Ironman Chattanooga. For those and, listening, and yeah. you swam with him, right?
0: I, I I pulled a lot of people around that race, but
1: a lot, a lot of big names people know were on
0: Jesse's feet. <laughs> yeah, and my He's feet are really big... sore from it too because somebody. Oh
1: was, uh, (laughs) slapping pretty hard and we don't need to throw anybody under the bus, but they definitely have a YouTube channel.
2: (laughs) I do think though, like, I think one of the main takeaways here for, for the coaches that are listening are, is to make sure that you're, um, developing athletes decision-making process in a positive way. And so that they're never, and you're directing that ambition in the right way for them. And I think, if you can sort of look at your program and your language around your athletes and know that you're, you're doing a healthy job of that for them, not only are they going to get better at their sport, but they're going to just develop better all around. Cause at the end of the day, we want sport to, to help them across the board, right? So if, if we give them confidence and really good tools to, to take all of that really good ambition and make good decisions for themselves, which also requires a ton of confidence, right? That's driven from confidence to be able yeah. to say no. Uh, then and that is part of an athlete's job, but part of our, us as coaches' jobs to develop that within them. And so, if if we're installing that in our athletes, then then everybody's going to get better. So I think you know if you're listening to this as a coach, and if the one takeaway you can take from this is, is my language around my athletes developing their confidence and their decision making process in a positive way that really drives that ambition in the right direction for them. And, and if you can honestly say yes, then, then great, you know, you're, you're doing a good job. And if you're, if you're like, oh, maybe I could do a little bit better here, then you've had a chance to reflect on that and figure out where you could improve it for, for the people that you coach.
0: Yeah. And if you're, if you're self-coached or, you know, what, don't have a coach, Then you can also do the same thing where you're like, okay, well, you know, you need to take rest days and you need to kind of listen to your body and, and you can use that ambition to have a really restful rest day, right? You can kind of point that in, in these right directions and not always that more is more direction. And I see some people doing that and some people maybe not so much, but yeah, if you can kind of go all in and have confidence in your program and and yeah, take those rest days and, and do what you need to do to go really well on your really hard days. And I think that's, um, yeah, that can help you as well.
1: Yeah, I guess you're just kind of reminding me that this all this stuff is a really long process, you know, and you're talking about a day or two here or there, or even if you're all of a sudden in your program, you just realize maybe you need to take a day a week or whatever it may be once a month. Um, but like long-term planning and just keeping that amb- ambition like you're, you have to like, kind of reach for like, people always say like you, sh- what is it you shoot for the stars and you wind up on the moon and it's more like that doesn't work in triathlon. Like, I think that, I, I think that's what I'm trying to say is you don't shoot for the stars and land up on the moon. You shoot for the stars and you wind up in a hot, in a boot, you know? <laughs> or you, you shoot for the stars and you like hate yourself, or you like, don't believe in yourself. But if you like shoot for the orbit, you often end up on the moon because you just are like, you're always just need to do a little bit more and a little bit more. And then you tend to surprise yourself. And that's not very fun. Um, and it doesn't seem very ambitious. And, and, and I think that's the hard part. and And that's why I wanted to talk about this today is like, everyone here got here, like, more or less thinking pretty big and kind of absurd dreams and that's why it's fun to hang out with people who who think kind of absurd things um and and then but then the people who are the best in the sport tend to just nudge it a little down the road and a little down the road and a little down the road and they're patient enough to realize that's how you get to the stars um that's that's my piece okay
0: Or maybe you turn 40 and realize you have to do a little bit less. <laughs> oh God. Awesome. I don't know. Um, I feel like, yeah, it, we gave a lot of people some, some good nuggets to think about on listening to your body and, and maybe checking in with yourself and making sure your workouts have a purpose and you're really focusing on, on performance, not trying to turn your logbook in at the starting line.
2: If you finish your ride and ride around the parking lot to make it a hundred miles, because you came in at 98.974.
0: That's not obsession. I don't know what you're talking about. That's totally, good. Oh, no. my a, goodness. Have
2: a car, sit down and have a little conversation with yourself about, is my ambition turning into obsession? <laughs>
1: I have I have yelled at Jesse personally for that. He goes and takes <laughs> off. And I was like, fine, I'm taking first shower. You ride 150. I'll do 149. I do not care. But uh, <laughs> a nice round one number is nice. The, the first time you get a pass, right? If it's your first hundred, first one fifty, whatever, you you can do it. But past that, just thanks guys. Good. good conversation. Cheers. Yeah.